1: Championship Monday. It's cash the ticket. Jim Costa, Evan Jenkins sitting in today. Mike Valeni with a day off. He'll be off the next couple days. We'll get some master stuff from you this week. A little preview on today's episode. Final four. Let's start there. Our Owls. I felt so bad for them. They're up 14. Second half. On the precipice, they've never won a tournament game in their history. They're about to be one win away from the national title. It's why you take your vitamins. What does Mike always say? Take the points. We hit the bet. You take the points. The two and a half in a close game with a buzzer beater. One and one because UConn is, as Mike says, a wagon. Unbelievable. And they annihilated Miami.
2: Ev, what was your takeaway? Well, my takeaway was... I'm going to be curious to see the ratings because you guys had talked about it, but the first game with San Diego State and FAU was just back and forth, back and forth. It was one hell of a game and a horrible shot by San Diego State. My man's just (laughs) dribbling it down to the baseline. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Then he rises up, hits it. But you guys were right with FAU all the way. I want to say almost all the way through the season you guys were on these guys. They lost four games all year with the last loss obviously being in the final four. But then you look at UConn, and I'm like, oh, my God. They're just rolling through teams. I mean, Mike's got the future. I assume he's just going to
1: play it out tonight, right? I mean, they're they're seven-and-a-half point favorites. I mean, you could take the points in
2: San Diego State and try to hit both bets. Sure, but I don't. I don't see a way that San Diego State no. stays within that eight points. I, we'll get to it. Here was my thought:
1: last shot of the game for FAU. I would have loved to see Martin take it. Like Davis, it, it wasn't the best shot. Yeah, that he just drove into traffic. And I get it. You're kind of looking for a bailout, a foul that we always say just go to the cup. Martin was the hotter player. He's the, the
2: part of the one two punch. I would have let him go to the cup. It was it was an odd choice because that's what you really look at first, and you're like. All right, maybe jump stop or something before you throw it up there. I don't know. I don't remember what the shot clock was at that moment. I know it was running down. Yeah.
1: But I mean, but then the cojones God. for San Diego State to go no timeout. No, just let it to roll. run the floor. By the way, their offense is like this, this broke dick offense where they can't get any shots off, and the balls in their coach should be like, I don't know, just lay it all out there. We're not going to run a set. We're going to have nothing primed. We're just going to let this kid take a MIDI and, and, he, and he wins the game. And that's what the coach
2: looked like after the game. You saw him. He's just sitting there with a smirk like, yeah. oh, my God, I can't believe that he, worked. He's the only guy who who knew that was going to work. The game was a thriller, though, and it's what I tried
1: to tell Mike. I know it's not Duke or North Carolina, but I think that game was a thriller. I mean, that ending was great.
2: That's one of the iconic moments to go to the title game. And and in all reality, I mean, this tournament wasn't loaded with star power. I mean, at all. Brandon Miller was probably the biggest name that we had, and he laid an egg. But there was no, I mean, even like a Jimmer for debt. There wasn't that Fridge NBA guy that was unbelievable in college that we still got to see. So I like that from this tournament that you got to see Mm -hmm. basketball not evolving. I know Mike likes the brands, but not even brand-name players. Evan, my enjoyment wasn't
1: hurt by some looming ratings, dip like oh no what if the ratings are low as the guy hits a money shot to go to the title game i wasn't considering the ratings i was just
2: enjoying basketball now it sets you up for disappointment with the next game if you're right. looking for a barn burner because know. that game was over almost as soon as it started but you guys kind of handicapped that one with Miami all tournament long. Like, Miami can't keep doing what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mike was certainly more skeptical of of Miami than me. I ended up splitting the weekend, taking the five and a half. And it's just, you got to give it up to UConn at this point. And what, the spread for tonight's championship game is seven and a half? What did it start at? Six you know? and a half. And then it was bet up to seven and a half. Two-thirds of the public is on UConn. Seven and a half for a team that plays a little defense. It feels it feels kind of trappy, but I'd be lying to anybody if I gave out San Diego State. I'd feel like an idiot, right? Well,
2: and yes, their defense is great, but the problem that they're going to have against UConn is scoring themselves. Right. And so, like, yeah, if you get three stops in a row, but on those three trips down the court, you don't score yourselves, what was the point? You're running in place. Right. You're just waiting for the buzzsaw to and start that, revving up on the other side. That's what you got to worry about with UConn. I mean, from the start of this year, what did they start? Like 14 all, yep. and all 15 and 0 something along those lines. They lost a few, but from the get-go, this was arguably the best team in all of basketball. If if you remove Alabama who had the unbelievable regular season, even with all the 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 shit that they had to deal with because <laughs> of the situations they put themselves in. It's not like dealing with right. stuff that didn't exist. Sidestep accept- to situation yeah. and their own situation. Well, and then they stepped in their own situation. Okay. So, I mean, it, it's it's good to see that because what we had talked about with the no brand names, the no mm-hmm. brand players, blah, blah, blah. But yet you're still getting one of the top three teams, arguably well, all year long. Evan, are they a blue blood? Yes. Okay. I don't know if that's a debate anymore. They have, what, four national titles? I think five. I saw something on on social media where it was like, UConn will win the national title tonight and then be relevant in another five years when they do it again. Because it seems like that's kind of what they do.
1: Mike laid out kind of who they are, and and I went back and dug it up. Since 2000, they've missed nine tournaments. I can't imagine a Blue Blood misses nine tournaments in 20 or so years, but it's the deal. Every couple years... They rise from the ashes and cut down the nets, and then they go dormant again.
2: It wouldn't surprise me if they but, don't sniff this again for a couple years. You know what? As a fan of a basketball team that's made the tournament 25 years in a I was row, I ask you as a Spartan fan, wouldn't you rather be in UConn? A yeah. you, you would say, hey,
1: I'll sit out a few marches if it means I cut down the nets more often. 100%. Because since 2000, MSU has won, and it was in 2000, yeah, which they, is, Evan, they've won twice as many conference titles as UConn in that time. They've
2: made the tournament
1: every year in that time. Trade They've it made all. more
2: Final Fours in that time, but you trade it all. Yep, just to have that T-shirt every four years that says National Champs. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of like the San Francisco Giants that, you know, the, the, win, the odd years they'll <laughs> suck, they'll win, they'll suck. And it's like, what is going on here? And with college basketball, that's very unique because usually you get a couple holdover
1: players. and But as we talked about last week, Mike and I, like that's becoming less and less of a thing because you cash out. Whether that's to go pro to the G League, whether that's to enter the portal, Another get a bigger team. bag somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, the consistency is is hard to come by in
2: college now. And and I think we're going to see more years like this I think than so, we too. are the, like the previous year. Right, where it was all. all the brands and the Blue Bloods. By the way, who
1: are your Blue Bloods? So I would tell you Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, mm-hmm. Kansas... UCLA, I know a lot of the history. They've made some Final Fours recently. Regardless, I think they are. Okay, great. That's what I got, five there? hmm Something like that. I think you put UConn in. UConn? historically it's Indiana I feel like they're
2: they're their license expired yeah they can't but get I in think anymore. Mike Woodson is trying to rebuild them a little bit to what they were but they'll never be that undefeated team in the 70s again so maybe they're like shades of blue blood like they're not the deep blue blue they're knocking on like the door sky blue yeah like they're at the Heisman house knocking on the door <laughs> trying to get in so that's where you'd put Indiana your Spartans. I think they're close. So they're kind of like Indiana, like a lighter shade of blue. But Well, the question is, I mean, they won a title in 79 and then 2000, but they maintained it from 2000 to be in one of the top 20 schools in the nation over those years. I would say they're a tier two blue blood. They're right there. Now, if you want to be a hard ass about
1: it and say it's blue bloods, pure blood, fine. I I guess I'd have to keep them on the
2: outside. Did we mention Carolina?
1: Yeah, Duke Carolina, Kansas, kind of the – Anybody else that you feel... How about the new school teams? Like Villanova, who's won a couple titles, made some have. runs.
2: Well, they are a blue blood in the 2000s, but that's about it. Because well, they won, what, in the 80s as well? Yeah, you're right. Now the question becomes, post-Jay Wright... What are they? Yeah, hey, Can you lose your blue blood status? You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. in football, I don't think Texas is a blue blood anymore. But, but they are. But yeah, you'd say historically, they kind of have these... This up, weight in the ground, these stakes in the ground, they're anchored in. Up until the last couple of years, you, you could have argued that with Michigan football yep. too, that didn't that went yep. 17 years without a title. So I think I think that question is something that revolves every single year. Mm-hmm. And or maybe maybe it's every 10 years that you, you readjust, readjust it, it. Yeah. You know, because you're right. Because is Florida a blue blood?
1: Right. They won back to back, but that's it. It's a blip in the, in the history of college basketball. It was the same group.
2: Joe Kim Noah, Al Horford. But you can argue that Corey those Brewer. 10 years of Florida hoops, they were Billy Donovan. the best in college hoops. Yeah. It's an interesting
1: question. I mean, I, I assume UConn is going to win tonight. Here's my breakdown on the game because I did a little research for
2: people. Okay. Can I ask if you have this in your research? Yeah. What is the biggest spread going into a title oh, game? Oh, I don't have that. Now, that's interesting. I'm curious about that because I feel like seven and a half is a lot for a title game.
1: So if you want to be cold and emotionless, you would say seven and a half for one of the best defenses in college hoops who keeps finding a way to come back in games when they have no business doing it. It's scary to lay seven and a half. But here's why I would do it. Here's the cap. San Diego State's a great three-point defense. Okay, and I think everyone's going to look to them to, to stifle people. They held Alabama to three of 27 from downtown. Like, that's the kind of team they are. UConn, 18 and one this season when they shoot 36 or better. 36% or better from three. They're 15 and two when they make 10 or more threes. So I think initially you'd say the Aztecs are going to take that away. Well, here's the problem. Yukon's not just the jump shooting team. They're not just the three point team. They've got that seven footer and then they have SunoGo, and they're going to crush the glass. And that's going to kill a team like San Diego State because they came back against FAU with all those offensive boards in the last four or five minutes of the Uh, game. They had like five in one possession. And and, and Vlad Golden sitting there in foul trouble. By the way, we need six fouls in college basketball. I agree with that. Just a side note, because what I hate is coaches taking their players out of the game prematurely. I think that's dumb. But then them being forced out of the game entirely because of a couple tic-tac calls. Anyway, but no offensive rebounds when you face UConn because they're an elite rebounding team. And I don't know if there's an answer for Sunogo. Because Miami sagged off, he hit a couple threes,
2: and then he and then he gets down in the paint. Uh, Gonzaga- Does that not piss you off more than anything as a as a coach or a player to watch that kid? You leave him open for a reason with one of the ugliest jumpers mm-hmm. you'll ever see in any any form of basketball. Yeah, and they don't even hit the rim.
1: Money. And then Gonzaga tried doubling him. It didn't matter. He had a bunch of assists. Like, he's a problem. They're going to crash the glass. They're the most complete team, offense, defense, inside, outside. And they've won every game by double digits. Would it really be a shock if they win this game by eight or nine? Absolutely not. I lean UConn. I'll probably end up playing UConn. I'll feel like a sucker if I bet San Diego State. Even if it feels sharp, I'd feel like a sucker watching the game and they get down 10 early and I have to just suffer for the rest of the night. I just can't do it
2: and now I did find an answer for the biggest largest spread. yeah uh, it happened in 1999 when UConn won the title. they were a nine and a half point dog to Duke well, full circle mode right I like that's a great stat. I mean that's something else isn't it that's I mean other times horrible. it happened Valvano beating Houston right. seven and a half points um Kansas beat Oklahoma as an eight-point dog in 1988. So
1: you're looking like outright winner as a dog. Yeah. What is the
2: money line for San Diego State? I'm going to pull this up. Not not that I'm con-
1: endorsing it or condoning it, but it's your money. And if if you want to get all revved up. And, I mean, people like money lines, don't they? They do. And as a, a small school guy, I would love to see the Mountain West win a national title, even if it is this awful Plus style. 70. Yeah. I'm not doing it, but it's there for you. Ev, we're going to do a little bit on golf this week. I want some masters from you. I have a, a baseball follow-through. People oh, did you do your homework? I did my homework on baseball. But real quick, while we're in the basketball spirit, did you pay any attention to the women's tournament this weekend? Ratings were good. Uh, Storylines were
2: better than the men. Way more than I would have. The last time I paid that much attention was when South Carolina beat, was a UConn or something, with that buzzer beater in mm-hmm. the Final Four? But, I mean... Listen, being in Big Ten country, we know about Caitlin Clark and we've seen the highlights. And so I wanted to see. I mean, I enjoyed it. The game is completely different than the men's game in the four quarters. Um, What you talked about with the fouls with that Caitlin Clark got one of a a, just tossing the ball away on a technical. It's a different game. I mean, it's a very different game. But I
1: enjoyed it. When I was in college, and you know, Mike reference it last week, you're working your way up. One of the first teams I covered was our women's team. And they had this Crystal Bradford woman who ends up getting drafted to the WNBA. So I, I followed it a decent amount. And then, you know, I, I haven't watched a lot lately, but everybody's been hyping up this Final Four. And the storylines are better than the men's storylines.
2: Yeah, because you, you know the
1: brand names. You, you have the stars. You've got the villain in, in Corella DeVille coaching LSU. Doesn't she look like Corella DeVille? Like, tell me she doesn't have 101 Dalmatians. Kim Mulkey, LSU's coach. I mean, it it,
2: it appears that way, but boy, does she have that pedigree,
1: man. And she's a great coach. I mean, she might not be a great person, but she's a great coach. But you have a villain. You've got Caitlin Clark, who's kind of this, like, Steph Curry in the women's game, logo, threes, Mm -hmm. running around. Does it all for her team. Yeah, so you've got these, these big brands, South Carolina, undefeated, love them, hate them, root against perfection, root for perfection. So I watched a little Friday night, and... You know, had an eye on what happened on Sunday in the title game. I, I think Rico might want to bring this up on the, the the afternoon show. Like, which tournament has been more entertaining to you? And I, I think the answer is probably the women's. And that's not to take anything away from the men's. You know, I've stuck up for this men's tournament, but that's just how great the women's tourney has been.
2: Now, I, I agree, but I think a majority will disagree because the majority will not watch. You're right. But right? Now, now the ratings are up. But, I mean, if you think about it, the, the title game for the men tonight is going to be on TBS. Am I correct? Or TNT. I don't think it's on CBS. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's... Double-check that. That's because it's I changed it, in the past. Really? But if you think about it, that game for the ladies yesterday was on ABC in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah, 3.30. That is awesome for them mm-hmm. to have that showcase. I mean, especially for like around here, you're going up against a golf tournament that didn't matter. It was a bunch of dudes that nobody knew. And then you had uh, the Detroit Tigers who are, <laughs> are I mean... You're better off being be no hit by some journeyman lefty, uh, a video game. Yeah, you know what I mean? So I'm still looking it up champion. Oh, no, it is on CBS.
1: Yeah, I figured it would be.
2: Okay, no, but I, remember I, I, they I, did it on TBS a couple years ago. Yeah, I think you
1: I kind of remember what you're talking about. No, what I'm bringing up with the women is they had a game on ESPN recently that outdrew any NBA game that ESPN had aired. So there has been a, a palpable buzz in the sport, and then of course you had the moment at the end of the women's title game which was awesome. I thank I, I, you, Evan. Thank you for saying I, that. I guess
2: I was so confused because I stayed off of Twitter on April Fool's Day because that was just a shit show and it was smart. Everybody should have been banned, right? With the the amount of crap that I saw going on, and then I mean the John Cena you can't see it, it's nothing. Thank you. The whole point naturally, yeah, you just want to ring. Point at your finger. So you're going to tell me that because it's the ladies' game that all of a sudden we have a problem with it? You got Patrick Beverly in the NBA trying to tell LeBron he's too small, and it's Patrick Beverly. And we're like, oh, LeBron sucks. Look at Patrick Beverly. But this girl goes and wins a national freaking title when Caitlin Clark, she's been talking all this junk, and rightfully so. She can back it up she can play with the best of them I was talking on Friday to put her up against D, uh, Steph Curry in a three-point shootout out switch it make Steph shoot the ladies ball and her shoot the men's <laughs> that's ball. that's kind of and a really fun twist. See what goes yeah. on and I just I think it's stupid in sports we want fun right that's yes. fun to me Caitlin Clark didn't have a problem with it she walked right on by but all these people trying to vilify this girl for doing what exactly happened what makes the sport fun and in all reality, vilify her all you want, but at least she's in your newsfeed and you know who she is today. By
1: the way, she loved it. She loved the backlash. Like, she knew it was going to come. Yeah, you don't talk crap without thinking crap isn't coming your way. So that's that was my takeaway. Everybody trying to make it about class and classlessness. It was about competing and competitiveness. Do we watch sports? I My understanding is we loved Larry Bird, who was a foul mouth, trash-talking... They say he was the biggest trash-talker of all of them. We love... Michael Jordan, because of the competitive mean streak, he took that personally. Lately, Wagging the tongue, shrugging the shoulders. We love the scowl from Kobe. We love the animosity
2: and the trash talk and the vitriol. I want more of that in sports. And this is like a world where we're trying to goat every single athlete into guaranteeing something and just saying something, go above and beyond. Tell me that you're going to go score 40 in this game. Rub it into their face. We ask all those questions because of that kind of stuff but now it has to be because the girls did it
1: right I don't I don't know I mean there's some people who would say it's a race thing too I don't want to devolve everything to race but you had the white player from Iowa who has an edge but when the black chick from LSU does it she's classless now she went on for longer right she got in Clark's face but I had no issue with it that to me is part of competing in sports to so the venture not have an issue with correct it. I think she would understand hey, Cash, C A S H, for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
2: I
1: talked my talk. I got to walk my walk. Clark had a double-double. She's one of the best players on LSU. Or, um, Reese had a double one of the best players on LSU. And you're right. There's so many examples in the men's game of you sack Aaron Rodgers years ago. You do a discount double check. Jay yeah, we had Alexander
2: blowing knees out celebrating right. because of it. <laughs> you have um go, Jay- lo- go look at the World Baseball Classic. That flips galore. I love it. Every last thing was about trying to one up the other team. Yeah. And this is I mean in the, in the NFL you do it. You got taunting rules now because of it. You got all just stupid. I love in the NBA people mocking Dame time, right? It goes both ways. Look at the guys game. Okay. We're very familiar with it. Yeah, Hunter Dickinson, (laughs) after any three that he makes, he's exploding on the crowd, (laughs) right? He's doing the two small on every single player that he makes a layup against, but we celebrate it for the guys. And I just thought it was silly. I'm like looking at this and I'm like, why are people upset? The thing that drove me crazy was Caitlin Clark
1: did it and it was celebrated and it was fun. It's
2: also so stupid. It's a wrestling thing. You can't see me.
1: I John know. Cena. And, and the point to the ring. And I don't it's know. It's not like she flicked her off. She didn't punch her or yell a slur at her or something. No. I mean, no, no lines were crossed in my mind. Reese was herself over the top to some. I love that she soaked up the moment. This is a national title, as you pointed out. Like Own that moment. And if you think it was it was classless, I think you're telling on yourself. Either you don't like fun, or you are making it about race, or you are making it about the, there's gender. a bigger issue than what actually happened on the basketball. Yeah, I mean, just don't tell on yourself. Don't call it classless. Let let the players have a little fun, and and
2: to the victor goes the spoils. And what would be classy in college basketball? Because oh, uh, guess what, people are talking about today a yeah. classless act. Uh,
1: it's stupid. And okay. at
2: the end of the day, I'm going to watch it over and over. And also the women's game, step your game up. Caitlin Clark should be able to go pro. You're holding oh, that's this poor right. girl you have back. To, yeah. Four years? What are we doing here?
1: All right, Evan. Let's let's wrap on Masters Ooh. and and my homework with baseball. Now these aren't your official plays. I know you have a process. We're gonna I do. do. We're gonna do like a
2: Masters megapod. Mike will be back later in the week. Oh, and this one's killing me because this week it's killing me in a good way because the live golfers get to play. And so, how do you bet these guys? that aren't playing, I'm going to say it, and I like golf, and I like live, and I like the PGA, but they're not playing on the same level as the PGA is. What right do
1: you now. mean by that? Like, I don't
2: follow I don't live. think the courses are as tough. I don't think that they trick out the courses like they should, and I don't necessarily – I do agree on the PGA you're playing against better competition. So what makes me say that is Brooks Kepka won a live event yesterday. He's now won two in Orlando, and it makes me wonder – how to bet these golfers because if Brooks Kepka is golfing with a little PGA of America on his shirt, I think his odds are better than the plus 3,800 that you're seeing. Or the well, plus 3, so then my question is, are we going to use the V word?
1: Are the live golfers value plays? Cause they're being under, I don't sold. And
2: that's, I think this is the week that we're lucky that it's a four day tournament. I think you look at Thursday and see what players did and base it off of that instead of taking your pre-round bets. Of course, I'm going to name us three. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you one right now. I'm okay. betting Scotty Scheffler. What it, are the odds? Plus 750. Is he near Here's the top? The favorite? Yeah. He is the favorite. Him and Rory McIlroy at plus 750. I know earlier this year I said never bet against John Rahm. Well, John Rahm's kind of shit the bet over the last couple of weeks. He 900. Then it jumps to plus 1700 for the fourth favorite. Big drop off. Yes, that's Jordan Spieth. And so... The first live guy that I see is plus 2,100, and that's Cam Smith. Cam Smith is the guy that won the U.S. Open. He was the biggest shit the PGA had. <laughs> and he defected. He went to live. People hated him. But it's going to be just so interesting to see what happens. Now, I also think Tiger Woods, FanDuel is a whole damn section on how to bet Tiger Woods this week. I like Tiger Woods. I'm a huge fan of Tiger Woods. I would never say a bad thing about Tiger Woods because of my fandom. But don't lose your money betting on Tiger Woods this week. I I listen, he's only going to play the major tournaments. Okay. You can practice all you want at your house in the comfort of your own house. I know he is, to me, the greatest golfer that has ever stepped foot on grass. But am I willing to bet money? Like, here's some of these odds that it's throwing out. Bogey free round in the tournament. Just in the tournament. Mm-hmm. So he could play two rounds, he could play four. That's plus three eighty. I would never touch that no. ever the best golfers in the world are most likely going to bogey a hole. Yeah. A couple. Holes. To finish in the top 10, no chance, plus 500. So uh, there's no value in well, these. Uh, in my, I was opinion. just going to ask you that, Evan, because I think a lot of people want to
1: bet Tiger. I know. And I, just, and I think the books get the profit off of that because they know whether they set the odds at a fair number or not, people are going to instinctively want to throw a couple bucks to root for Tiger because he was, one of the greatest sports moments of all time when he won this tournament a few years oh ago. Oh my god, I, <laughs> I'll say it. And as unmanly as
2: you want to say, it made me tear up just to. How do you not get a little emotional about that? Just because I mean, sports. I don't have many emotions left. Living in Detroit, we don't have a lot of great teams. But when you can root for somebody that you've watched since you were a child, and then go do it, and then that moment with his son and everything, like oh my goodness. But we talked. I I mentioned plus three eighty for to go bogey free. Yeah. For a round. But do you know what the odds are for bogey-free round in round one or round two? What? Both of those are plus 2,000. So, how does that make any sense? They're trying to gotcha you with right? Tiger Woods
1: bets. That's how I would interpret it.
2: Um, to have a hole-in-one plus 6,500. Like, what are, what are doing? They're getting... Free you money. Know, it's,
1: it, it's it's what Mike always refers to. It's the super casual guy who gets seven beers deep and wants to root for Tiger's hole in one. It's not going to hit. To have an
2: albatross plus 15,000. Like I don't even know if Tiger has one of those on the PGA Tour. I'm sure he has one somewhere. Sure. In all the tournaments that he's played. So that's the Tiger. I stay off of him. I mean, he's plus. His odds are probably better than what you would think. Well, that's what I'm assuming is because people bet on plus 8,500
1: like Evan, if he was a long shot, like if he was, if no one was betting on him, you would be getting better odds. That's just how the lines move. It is. You have to entice action. They don't have to entice action on Tiger so they can swing the line a little more the other way. I think the opposite of value is
2: betting on Tiger Woods. A hundred percent. I think that is just stealing your money now. I might have egg on my face if he wins it and I'll be the happiest dude in this state going
1: crazy again. It's called gambling, not winning. I mean, it's it's, exactly. So
2: I think I got to take a deep dive. I'm really going to do it tonight and tomorrow to really look and to see. I I think the live players are going to be interesting. I'm going to be very interested to see what the masters does with their first two day of pairings. If they're going to put some of these guys that are outspoken against the live with live guys, how that will affect them. How Stir will, the pot. How will the crowd be at the masters? They're very, very fickle with what they allow people to do, say anything there. Like having your phone out is like the craziest thing that you could ever do in Augusta, Georgia. I mean, to say mashed potato after a shot, crazy. So all of that stuff I gotta factor in. Um, but I think the plays here are gonna be more on Friday and Saturday than they necessarily will be on Thursday. How many
1: golfers are you gonna pick? You typically do I'm three. only gonna do
2: the three still. Can you can you do one live golfer? I'm I'm actually going to include a live golfer okay. within those three. Like you can do a PGA, a live, and then a longer shot. Okay. Hey, I love it.
1: Um we'll also try to mix in your pimento cheese recipe. Isn't that the thing they do at the Masters? Pimento
2: cheese is I'm like a huge fan. Like, have you had pimento? I I don't don't think I'd like it. It. I mean, my my wife loves it. She had it the other day, and I'm like, I don't really care for it. No, Um, but what's the deal? It's
1: like they do, like, egg salad, (laughs) pimento cheese. They do, like, Georgia peach ice cream, like, oh yeah, and yeah. everybody's like, "Oh, these
2: these prices." Are- well, that is the cool. Thing. It's like, yeah, a- until you see the price that you paid to get in the damn place. <laughs> like they better give you a discount. <laughs> it better be a dollar or like two. Like when everybody was bragging about the Atlanta Falcons when they the and concessions, Arthur, yeah, and I'm like, you need a seat license to even get a seat and buy a season ticket to get in that place. Like it's not cheap to get in. It's not like they're twenty dollars tickets and then it's dollar hot dog day. But you know what that is? It's pay no attention to behind the curtain. It's just hey. Take a look at the concession price. Or, hey, so our our boss, Jimmy Powers, goes like every year. He's there Big right golf now. guy, he's from Georgia. The amount that you're going to save buying hot dogs and cheese sandwiches and all of that, go walk in that little pro shop where you buy your little tchotchkes, you're not saving any money. <laughs> they sell these garden homes, Jimmy, that are like $200. They resell oh. on eBay like a mother, right? But people will line up for hours to to get get master's golf to get a garden home or like they have t-shirts road signs regular everything you can imagine they throw that little master's flag this
1: is your way of saying they're not some charity
2: no far from it i get that they're they're giving you a break on that beer that's fine but tickets a to get in that place i've since I was 18 years old, I've been trying to get in. I'm now 40, so you do the math. I have yet to get a a, a, a weekday pass. I'm not even trying to go for the actual tournament. Oh, hold on. Who does Jimmy know? How's he getting the hook up to this I believe, thing? if I'm speaking out of turn powers, you can come punch <laughs> me in the face, but I believe his father had tickets. Okay. So, and it was kind of like grandfather. Legacy deal. Yes. Wow. I believe that's how it is. Something like but that. But it's every year he legit. goes down wow. there. I he, didn't realize it
1: was every year. Yeah. Wild. He uh, loves it, dude. Evan, we'll save a mailbag for when Mike's back. I did some homework. He he, he wanted me... And I did this today because I I wanted to deliver for the people. We talked about overs in baseball early in the year, new rule changes, in theory, more stolen bases, more uh, runs, more more action, the shift being banned. Some of those power hitters have the option to to actually hit it and and get on base. My takeaway was these books are too good. So I did a hand count... (laughs) And I found that there was about 50-50 on over-unders with a slight edge to the under overall. Now, I also did what Mike wanted to do, which was high side, low side. Yeah. So games with an over-under of seven runs or less, the low end, could we hit any value by trying to jump over that early in the year? Four and seven. So the unders that were low were low for a reason. When they go low, you go lower. Same deal with the the over-unders. Nine runs or higher. The overs hit six and four. So, I mean, the answer is to bet the overs when they're high, but most people don't want to do that. And the truth is you're still not making out like a bandit. The books are too good. I mean, the public likes overs. So the under statistically hits just a little more, but not enough for you to really profit on. And even if you try to get geeky with high side, low side, I didn't find anything that even looks remotely like you could pounce on it going into week
2: two. Now this is really going to get geeky have have you did you look at it based on like starting pitchers like
1: no, I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> but uh, most you of the know opening so early days early were lower because the aces were throwing. And now today and tomorrow, you're going to get number four and number five starters in a lot of cases. Well, my question with that is... Are the lines inflated because of it?
2: Because they, they usually only go four or five innings, right? To yeah, start the season. Like even uh, against the Tigers, a guy had a perfect game through six. No hitter, but yeah. And he, or no hitter and doesn't come out for the seventh because of a pitch count. That's baseball. And so I just wonder how ready are bullpens in baseball right now? Yeah. Um, After the World Baseball Classic, how good are, are the starting pitchers? Because some of the starting pitchers, let's be honest, they weren't allowed to pitch in that. So some might be more stretched out than others. But when we asked the question, I know Mike asked the question, are people going to be able to beat the books? Because maybe they didn't catch up. Well, they caught up. They,
1: they always catch up, man. I just...
2: And I, I'm telling you I get so mad I I thought about this
1: over the weekend we did that episode where I tried to find like the power play points thing and I look back at like I'm, I'm a total jackass there's no wins you're not going to out game them our system not a system only works because we played their game where, Correct. where we bet against conventional wisdom like you have to forget what you know about sports and bet the book not the games no we'll keep looking for edges I was hoping early in the year there'd be some takeaway with baseball like I'm looking at the board tonight and Like, what's the lowest on the board? So, the lowest game tonight in baseball, let me see if there's anything seven flat. Yeah, there's a seven flat. Angels and Mariners. It's seven flat. Reed Detmers against uh, Kirby, one of their younger pitchers. I never would
2: want to pit. It's like, Otani could be going for the Angels. He can go nowhere and runs for seven, and then they lose five to four. The
1: Mariners are playing all these low-scoring games, too, because they just played the Guardians. That's your lowest. Now you want to go high side if you want to consider that. I saw a nine and a half. Yeah, the Red Sox who are raking right now. They just got done with that series with the O's. Pirates and Red Sox, nine and a half a half's the highest number tonight.
2: Also, I would be curious and know this, this would be a crazy homework, is how many of those were in cold weather cities. We didn't have a lot of cold weather this this weekend in all of no, the United States. It's going to warm up this
1: week too, especially for us locally.
2: And so I'm curious about that because usually you'll see a couple games and some sleet or snow or but it seems like everything has been right on for baseball this year. Like there's no excuses for teams. I mean, maybe the answer is just bet the Tigers not to do anything. How about that? Yeah. What is their What is theirs for today? They uh, play Houston.
1: They're playing Houston. And I believe they're going up against a pitcher from Wayne state. People don't know. That's like located in the city of Detroit, like that. They didn't drive minutes
2: from Comerica. Yeah, Park. It's like, like
1: a four minute walk yeah. or something. Um, yeah. So they're playing the Astros tonight. You could just keep taking the run line and, Bury the Tigers early. Is it one and a half? One and a half, minus one ten. You can take the Astros. You could bet against the Tigers every day. The other thing I started looking into. (laughs) No, I mean here's here's where Mike's in my ear going. Even the worst teams win sixty games a year. So you are going to get burned. This isn't some holy grail strategy. But what you could do is their offense was terrible last year. It's terrible this year. I'm a total bases guy. You just start looking at under total bases for some of the guys in the no. lineup.
2: Oh, for the guys. So you can't bet that as a team.
1: Uh, I don't think so. You okay. might be able to. I mean, don't quote me on it. But like I looked the opening day lineup. I bet under total bases on three different Tigers and two of them hit. <laughs> I got a little uh, loose on opening day. I bet you could do individual <laughs> at bats, which is dangerous. Please don't do this. I bet Javi Baez to strike out in his first at bat. He didn't. It was like plus six, 160. And then his third at bat, I did it again at plus 170 and it hit. And I'm like, I'm a total degenerate. If I'm betting individual at bats, Javi Baez to strike out. But I'm like, this guy's a butcher. I don't I don't know. We'll find some creative ways to bet this stuff. Uh, if you want to send any questions in, we will try to squeeze in a mailbag this week. Cash the ticket podcast at gmail.com. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe, keep your notifications on because we will have that Masters Megapod this week. Evan's pimento cheese recipe, three different golfers, and uh, get Mike back in the mix. Let's cash the ticket.